Morning, church. How you doing? Excellent. Cool. Cool beans. Cool beans. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I thank you that your word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it's powerful, it brings life, it uh, brings the promises of God, it helps us to see who you are and how you want us to live, it, it, it shapes us, it molds us. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit as you take this word and you shape our lives around the word of God. We thank you that our lives are going to be different as a result of your word this morning. I thank you that God, you're shaping us into the people that you want us to be. Lord, I pray that as I speak this morning that people don't hear my words, but they hear you speaking through me. I pray that power enters the people's hearing in their bodies, in their circumstances, in their situations, as I release this word over your people today. And the wonderful people of God said, Amen. Amen. We pray also for Jenny and for Nicholas this morning. We ask you, Lord, to heal them, to surround them, to comfort them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Just a, a, a real quick one, uh, a quick announcement that uh, uh, I'll just quickly give this uh, today. Uh, many of you may know that I, I love my football, um, that is English football, not soccer, it's, it's not soccer, it's football, it's football, alright, real football. And last night there was the FA Cup final between Manchester City and Watford, I do not know the score. Please do not tell me. If you tell me, you don't, don't get into heaven. I'm not sure if you knew that, but that's the, that's the rules, okay? But this afternoon, I've recorded the game from overnight, and if you would like to watch the game with me, okay, at 3 p.m., I'll be pressing play on my recorder so that I can watch the FA Cup final. If you'd like to join me, you're more than welcome. Okay? I've got some nibbles. You don't have to bring a smile, but if you tell me the score, I will kill you. <laughs> in, in the most loving possible way that I could, by the way, because I'm a person of love, and that's how Jesus works, okay? So Jesus would be the same way as me. If it was like Israel against someone else, he'd be the same, all right? Now, come on. So <laughs> I don't know where I get this stuff from, but, you know... Praise God anyway. I love you guys. It's just amazing. So this morning, I want to talk to us about taking it to the next level. Uh, I want to talk to, to us about taking it to the next level. I, I sense that uh, there's some things that, there, that God wants us uh, in the life of this church to take to the next level. We've talked about uh, centering our lives around Jesus, you know, that we want to make Jesus the center of everything that we do as a church. As the people of God, we've got to, you know, make God the center. Out of, out of the relationship with God, everything else flows in our life. And that's what, you know, one of the major things that, like, when uh, Jane and I were away on holidays just recently, I asked every one of our speakers, you've got to make it about Jesus. We've got to make Jesus the center about everything that we do as the people of God and as a church that's representing Jesus in our community. We've got to make it about Jesus. The second thing that I felt God talked to us about was about fellowship, going deeper in fellowship, going deeper in relationship through fellowship. So we're going to work on our relationships together with each other. There can't be just a surface level relationship with people that you're going to go and spend eternity with in heaven. 
We've got to take our relationships deeper with each other. And this is the, the, the thing that I'm going to be focused on this morning. But the other thing that we're going to be looking at uh, in amongst some other things later in this year is discipleship. We've got to become more like Jesus. Okay, If we're going to make it all about Jesus, we're going to like get together in, in relationship with the people around about us, but we've also got to be like Jesus too. Some of the other things that are coming up is talking about ministry. God's got a ministry for us. He's, he's got us a, a role, a purpose in life, and he wants us to, to, to find out what that is. But there's other thing is, is also is how do we engage with our community? And those are the things that we're going to go taking to uh, uh, the next level as we move forward. So this morning... I just want to talk about taking our relationships to the next level through fellowship. So one of the things that uh, I've never done, uh, and you'll find this hard to believe, but I've never run a marathon and I've never done a triathlon. However, I do regularly participate in the Saturday morning park runs uh, that are run by volunteers in the community. The the park run is a a free five-kilometer timed walk or run. You can walk it or you can run it. It's up to you. That's organized by volunteers around the world. It's not just here in Mount Barker. They are organized around the world. There are 355 locations where you can do a park run in our world. The average or from around the world, from all the people that have participated in a park run, the average time to do that five-kilometer run is 32 minutes, 33 seconds. Okay? The quickest female that has ever done this did the five kilometers in 15 minutes, 57 seconds. The fastest male who's ever done it recorded a time of 14 minutes, 22 seconds. Okay? There have been over... There have been... As of yesterday, when I checked the statistics, there's been 554,621 people who've done a park run. Okay? If you added all of the park runs end to end that everybody has done since they've begun doing them, okay, you will have run 35,266,595 kilometers. I've done 460 of those. <laughs> if you were to look at in terms of how that, that distance actually equates when you start to get your head around it, you can circumnavigate the earth 2,800 times to get that a number of, of kilometers. It's just bizarre, you know? So one of the things I set myself the goal of doing whilst we were away on holidays, because we went to England, both Jane and I, we were born in England. I was born in Haywards Heath and Jane was born in Brill in England. I wanted to set myself the goal of doing a park run in my hometown and in Jane's hometown. So we did. I found out where they were run and on the Saturday morning at nine o'clock, because they do gentlemen's hours, not 8 a.m. here in Mount Barker, Okay, so they do gentlemen's hours. At nine o'clock, Jane even came out and supported me. Those were spectating hours, according to her. Jane at 8 a.m. is still in bed on a Saturday morning. So uh, it was really good to be supported by my fan club, and, uh, and it was really great to be there. I'm going to tell you that those courses in England are a lot tougher than the one here. There, we did it through woods. They even had to have marshals in the woods pointing the direction that everybody had to run. Okay, otherwise, you might get lost. Okay, and I believe that there are still some people wandering those woods today. Okay, I regularly um, 
actually run in a week between 25 and 50 kilometers per week. Um, I, I do that to keep fit, but I also want to beat my personal best time for running the park run, which my personal best is a 22-minute, 40-second run. I've got to tell you, though, in almost two years, I've not beaten that, okay? That was two years ago, um, so I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm a man of faith and belief. I can do this. I've got to also admit, though, that I don't put much, much pressure on the leaders in the park run on a Saturday morning, okay? But I'm still there, and I run the whole distance. Now, you might be saying, where are you going with this? Like, why am I saying all this? Just so that you'll understand that I understand a little bit about long-distance running. Not necessarily how to do it well, but more to say that I know what it feels like to do a long-distance run. How important it is that we need to pace ourselves and not get overconfident. Because I can tell you, at the start of the park run, when you've got 250 other people that are there with you, you get sucked in the vortex like the jet washer just pulls you along. And you can start to outdistance yourself or like tie yourself out way too early. I've done that. Okay? Uh, so you need to like, start it really well. I know what it's like to be running on the roads and through the wetlands of the Laratinga wetlands that we've got here on a beautiful, crisp, clear morning, feeling strong and healthy and glad to be alive and seeing the beauty of nature that's around about. I know what it's like to be cold and windy. My legs feel like lead. My lungs and my calves and my quads are burning. And I'm trying to remember why I was here in the first place. I'd wondered why I'd even come out that morning. I know what it's like to be drained and exhausted, that the urge to quit and to give up, even to just stop and to rest, gets overwhelming. And the only thing that keeps me going is the pure gut determination and and the anticipation of how it's going to feel when I come to the end of my run. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe not necessarily about the running aspect of it, but about life. But about life. You know what it's like that you know, you're feeling good, you're healthy, you're strong, and you're going for it. It's a beautiful day, but you also know what it's like when it's cold, it's windy, when it's feel, your, your, your whole life feels like it's lead, you, 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 there's something that's burning inside of you, and you don't know what it is, it's, it's just eating you up. You know what it's like when you're drained and you're exhausted, you know what it's like. So I'm talking to people that know what it's like to walk through life in this area. It's... Also curious, I think, that when we read the New Testament, that the New Testament chooses an acti activity to use as an image for the Christian life, and it's usually running. It's usually running. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race. And complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run. Let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 says this, I fought the good fight, I have Finish the race. I have kept the faith. So why is running such a powerful picture of the Christian life? 
See, when Paul wrote this uh, about finishing the race in 2 Timothy, he's near the end of his life and he knew it. He'd been following Christ and laboring for the gospel for almost over 30 years. He'd been teaching and preaching and praying and writing and suffering. And many times he was imprisoned, beaten, whipped, starved and even stoned at times. He'd built and planted churches at times when travel was both difficult and dangerous in that day. He'd experienced great joys and also the devastating disappointments that come with walking a Christian life. But he kept going. He knew that this was no park run, but it was a marathon. It was a marathon that he was on. And could the Bible using an image of running for the Christian life be because running is such a solitary activity? It's such a solitary act. No one else can run that race for us. It's us that when that gun goes off, we are the one that are running down the road. We're the one that's putting one foot in front of the other. In the same way, no one else can trust God for us. No one else can believe for us. No one else can follow Christ for us. We are the only ones that can walk this Christian life out for ourselves. We can't have someone who's a surrogate Christian life for us. We are the ones that have to walk this out. Everyone has to do it for themselves. And each one of us is responsible and accountable to God for our own faith, for our own faithfulness, our own obedience, and our own devotion. In Acts chapter 2, it talks about that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There's something about us doing this because God is asking us to do this. It's like, you know, when uh, Isaiah is, is there talking and, he's, and God's looking for someone to stand in the gap and, and Isaiah says, uh, here am I, Lord, send him. He doesn't say that. He says, here am I, Lord, send me. In other words, he stands in the gap. We can't put someone else forward to walk our walk. God's asking us to pick up our cross and deny ourselves. Does that make In the right place. Okay. So... Here's the question. Here's the question. Just like a runner who has to choose to take each step, so we have to choose every day uh, if we are going to follow Christ or not. So this morning, uh, that's, that's a decision only you can make. That's only a decision that I can make. No one else can make that choice for us. So what does this all have to do with fellowship? What on earth does it have to do with us going to the next level, taking it to the next level in the area of fellowship? Well, here's the answer. Christian fellowship is how we equip, strengthen, and encourage each other so that we can run well and finish the race. We need fellowship around about us. Fellowship is all the things that we do and say to help one another live for Christ. Have a think for a moment. Have you ever watched a marathon? Have you ever seen something on TV like a, a long-distance race? Maybe you've seen the Olympics, and they, they always close the Olympics with the men's marathon, I believe it is. And they, 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 uh, I'm not sure, do they have the men's and ladies together? I can't remember, but uh, you see these things on TV, and there's this marathon race, the Boston Marathon, the New York Marathon, the London Marathon, the Sydney Marathon. You see these things on TV. What do we see other than the runners and the race officials? 
We see aid stations, okay, where there are volunteers who are passing out cups of water. We see the emergency services who are ready to help people who may be overcome by heat or exhaustion. But most of all, what we see in that telecast is that there are hundreds of thousands of spectators who are lining that route. They are waving and they're cheering and they're shouting out encouragement. You can make it. Keep going. Don't give up. You're almost there. It's the same at the park run. Okay, on a Saturday morning, everyone's like running their own race, but you'll hear people saying, keep going, great race. You're doing really well. You're running strong this morning. I've heard Dean and Lisa doing the same thing because they go out on the park run as well. I'm there. I'm running the thing, this 5Ks on a Saturday morning, but I'm also giving encouragement to the people that I'm seeing around about me because I want to encourage them on their journey as well. It's the same in life. That's our role as the members of the body of Christ, that we are there to help people be encouraged in their walk with God. If you're a part of Infused Church, I expect you to encourage other people in their walk of faith. That's an expectation. If you're calling Infused Church your home, I'm a person of encouragement. I love to give encouragement then I'm asking us, because Christ gave encouragement, let's model our lives upon him. You know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, you've been faithful in the little. Here's heaps more. That's what God does. We are there to refresh one another, to catch one another when we fall, to bandage up the wounds, to encourage and cheer one another on. The only difference is that none of us are just spectators and bystanders. We are in this race together and we are running too. That's that's just the fact of the matter this morning. We're all running and at the same time we are helping other people to run their race as well. It's fellowship. See, fellowship is not optional. It is absolutely essential to our spiritual growth and our health. It is absolutely essential to our ability to persevere in the faith. See, here's here's something maybe that I'm just going to throw out this morning. Maybe you're a a regular attender here at the church and you you, you get to know who's around. You get to know uh, who comes along on 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 a Sunday morning. If you haven't seen someone for a couple of weeks... Maybe God's just highlighted that person's missing because God wants you to phone them and say, you know what, missed you. I hope you're doing okay. Is there anything that you need? You're looking for anything. I won't dig that one too much. All right? I'll get myself in trouble. See... Fellowship is a a term that we use very loosely. We call it fellowship each time that we get together and there's food and there's coffee involved. Uh, Some churches have what they call a fellowship hour in that they get together before the service. They're early. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. They get there early. And they drink coffee together, they socialize a little bit, they have a bit of cake. cake. That is around morning tea time, let's be honest. 
Okay, 10 o'clock, it's, it's morning tea. Okay, so they, even like some churches, they organize a church picnic and they say fun, food and fellowship. And you know what? There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with those things. But that's a shallow level of fellowship. That is, that's like, it's just, we've got to take our fellowship to a whole new level. If we're serious about growing this church, then we've got to start to care for people and encourage them in their faith. We've got to start to care for people in the journey through life. We've got to start to notice when someone's missing. It's not that we're trying to control them and say, you've got to be at church. No, it's nothing like that. It's about a heart of care. It's about a heart of love that says, you know what? I miss you. I haven't seen you for a couple of days and, and, and really wanted to say that, just wanted to say I missed you. Is that fair? It's time that we took our conversations and activities to the next level so that we can help and encourage each other to run the race and persevere in the faith. If we're talking about the weather and politics or about our favorite football team, it would be enjoyable, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it is fellowship at a surface level. It's a prelude to true fellowship, a way to keep the relationship gears oiled so that deeper, more authentic fellowship can actually take place. Why is it that we've got a men's Kelly pool night? Why is it that I've invited people around to my house this afternoon to watch the FA Cup final? Why? Because I'm taking little baby steps to start to open up the opportunities for fellowship and relationship so that one day, maybe sometimes you're going through something or I'm going through something and because we've got relationship, we've got runs on the board and knowing how we are are figuring out life out together, we've just hung around a little bit, maybe, just maybe, we can support one another and say, don't give up, Gary. Just keep going, Gary. You got this. God's for you and he's not against you. God loves you. He knows where you're at. He knows what's happening in your world. But it can't be just the pastor who does that. You say, that, but that's the pastor's job. You're absolutely right. But you know what? It's your job too. It's your job too. We've got to take fellowship to a whole new level in this church. We do friendship and and like being friendly on a Sunday morning, we do that well. We do that well. We get many comments from people who visit the church and they say, your church is so friendly. I had people talk to me. It was really nice to come in and feel that warmth and that glow. But we've also had people leave the church saying, I couldn't connect with anyone because no one noticed I was there. How can you have those two diametrically opposed thoughts happening in the same place? It's because we're happy with the people that we've known for years but don't open up our lives to the people that have been here for five minutes. Lord, I pray for the balm of Gilead to come upon the people that are hurting right now with these words that I'm speaking. Uh, the confronting message that this, this pricks us all. I'm not absolved from this. Okay, I hold myself accountable for this as well. We have got to do this. And you know what? You don't have to put on a a lamb roast. You don't have to put on a lamb roast. I'm good with coffee and a biscuit. I'm, 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 I do. I bring my own coffee. So I'll save you the cost. But you know what? It's just, 
Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur each other on toward love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching. Do we consider, contemplate, ruminate, cogitate and deliberate on how we're going to encourage others uh, to move towards love in, in our church and good deeds? How, have we thought about how we're going to do that? Uh, the author of Hebrews is exhorting a community of believers to stand firm in the face of persecution, to hold unswervingly to their faith in Jesus Christ, that if they're meeting together, one of the things that has to happen is there's mutual encouragement. How are they going to accomplish that? How are they going to stand their ground? When uh, the hostile government was throwing them in jail and confiscating their property, how do they hold unswervingly to the hope that they profess when they were facing the very real possibility of dying for their faith? The writer of Hebrews is challenging this. How do we do this? And he says this. He tells them, spur each other on towards love and good deeds to meet together and encourage one another. In other words, they would have fellowship together. Can I encourage you? If you're not in a connect group, you need to be. You need to be in a connect group. We need connect groups in this church. We have some great ones that are running right now. In fact, all of them are great. But you know what? We need connect groups. Come and talk to me if you want to know where they are, if you want to start one. This isn't about just polite conversation about the weather or who won the election, just in case you didn't know, Scott Morrison did. This is a community of Christians involved in a life and death struggle to hold on to their faith, to hang in there and not go back to the world's way. And that's why we need fellowship. It's not just to make our Sunday mornings pleasant and enjoyable, but to give us the strength to persevere in our faith. Because I've got to tell you, people say, oh, it's a cop-out to be a Christian. You, just, you need a crutch to live on. You know what? Sometimes in life you need a crutch. Sometimes you need someone else to lean on. That's why the, the, the picture of the Holy Spirit, when he says um, he comes alongside of... Can I borrow you, Paul, for a moment, please? This is what the, a picture of the Holy Spirit does when he, he says he's going to come alongside of and bear each other's burdens. What he does, he comes underneath your arm like this. He says, you know what? You might not be able to stand up right now, but I'm going to help you and we're going to walk this together. comes up and he comes alongside of and he lifts us in, the bur- in that moment. And we can walk through life because we know that the person of the Holy Spirit is there to guide us and lead us and help us in our time of need. Guess what? We represent the person of the Holy Spirit. We represent God. Should not we do this with our brothers and sisters in God coming alongside? That's why fellowship is so important. Thanks, Paul. Give Paul a hand. Here's a question for us this morning, and I'm going to go a little bit of overtime because I'm going to go over a bit of time. <clears throat> I haven't spoken for eight weeks and I've got stuff to say. So, <laughs> Who guarantees once we place our faith in Christ that we will never fall away, never abandon the faith? Whose power is it that holds us in union with Christ? Is it your power? Is it mine? No. It's God's power that keeps us 
in the faith. John chapter 10, verses 28 to 29 says this. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. If that's true, and I believe it is, then why the big fuss about encouraging each other? Won't God see to it that we persevere? Yes, he will. But he will do it through the body of Christ, and that's you and me. God's grace comes to each of us through each of us. His encouragement comes to us by the words that we speak to one another. He refreshes and he renews our strength uh, through acts of kindness that we perform for each other. We are the channels through which God's power flows by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we think about it that way, we begin to realize what an awesome responsibility that God has placed into your hands and into my hands. Whatever it is that we need from God in order to be, keep believing and to keep obeying is going to come through the body of Christ, including the people in this room. It may be a word of encouragement. It may be a prayer, a reminder of a truth that we've forgotten. It might be just listening. Whatever they need, it will come through you and it will come through me. So here's, here's the thing, okay? The next time that we are tempted to criticize someone, if they're not uh, doing so well spiritually, maybe it's because we've not been faithful in our responsibility to them. Maybe what they need uh, is for us to judge them less and to pray for them more. Maybe what they need is for us to stop gossiping about them and to start encouraging them. Maybe what they really need is for us to ignore them less and to care about them more. Henry Thoreau says this, The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And I'm willing to bet that there are people here today you are feeling a bit desperate. People who on the outside seem calm and all together are on the inside close to giving up, quitting and walking away. They're, th they're thinking about just checking out. You know, I've been there. I know what that's like. But I've also experienced incredible times of encouragement because people came alongside of me at just the right moment. I've, 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 you know, I've, I've just wanted to walk away. I've just wanted to quit and get out. Stop the world. I want to get off. I know what that's like. Many of you know what that's like. But the way that we can overcome and continue to be strong in our faith is by us coming together as the body of Christ saying, I've got your back. I was thinking about you and I'll phone you and I'll carry it. You know, how about you catch up for coffee? How about we go out together? We need each other, church. I need you and you need me. You need the person who's sitting in front of you and they need you. You need the person that's sitting on the other side of the church from you. God has set this in place so that we can encourage one another. Fellowship and encouragement are not just an enjoyable side effect of Christianity, but essential to our ability to persevere in the faith. Hebrews 3 verse 13 says, But encourage one another daily. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 10 to 11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up. If all of this is true, then how do we do that? How do we encourage one another? How do we walk in life with each other? How do we do this? Well, there's three ways. Number one, listen. Just listen. Too many of us, we're, we're, we're just ready to... We're in a conversation and all we're thinking about is what we're going to say next, not listening to what the person's actually saying. 
More importantly, what they're not saying. Are we reading between the lines in what they say? You know, people on the outside, they, yeah, I've just had a really good week. Yeah. But you know there's something off. They, they're just not, there's not that spark. Are you listening? Is the Holy Spirit saying something in that moment? Maybe he's prompting you to say, no, how are you really? You, you just seem a little bit, is any, let's catch up for a coffee. Let's catch up for a coffee. Can I, can I encourage you? Because as much as it's, it's really important to listen, that when someone asks you, how you doing? If you want to catch up for a coffee, it might be just the start of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. Now that, that's said like, you know, movie say and, and catch, catch, yeah, whatever, Casablanca. Um, but there's this moment where maybe this relationship is just the very thing that you need. And just saying, you know what, I'd love to catch up for a coffee. It's just making like, what's an hour going to cost you in your week? Well, it might just change your life. It might be that the, the, the best friend that you ever had in school that you don't catch up with anymore, that was, you, know, you still call your best friend to this day, but you haven't seen him for 20, 30 years. Maybe God's trying to replace that best friend with someone who's actually physically present. Just saying. How about we listen? How about we listen? How about we ask more questions to seek to understand than make statements to judge? Boy, I'm you glad I came to church today. <laughs> Proverbs 18.13 says, who, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The way I've always looked at this is this. I've got two of these and one of this. I should always double the amount of listening that I do than the amount of speaking I do. And I find that really hard because I talk a lot. <laughs> Second thing we can do is pray for one another. Just pray. Just pray. If we pay attention to when we're listening to someone, if we're listening to what they're saying, Maybe during the, the greet time or before the service because you've, you've caught up for that fellowship hour before you got here early. <laughs> and you listened to what they were saying and you heard what they were saying and you just want to say, hey, you know what? I want to pray for you. I want to believe God for you. Praying's great. What's even greater is if you pray on the spot for them. Just pray right then on the spot. Just do it. Pray for people. 1 Thessalonians 5.25 says, Brother, brothers, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you. How about do this? Don't gossip, criticize or complain. Pray. Don't judge or condemn. Pray. Be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. If we're praying for someone, the more we find ourselves caring for them and the less we feel like judging them. Try, try it. It's just, if you don't know what to pray, just pray this. God, help them. God's just moved in so many circumstances where someone's just said, God, I need help. How about we, we help them? God, would you, would you help them in some way? Third thing is talk. Talk. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says, speak the truth in love. Can I, I, I'm just going to go for the bullseye on this one, all right? 
Too many Christians talk and there is absolutely no love in what they say. Let's not be one of them. Let's not be one of them. Let's, let's speak the, the truth in love. Let, let's not see how many bullets we can get in our gun to shoot at these people, but let's, hey, you know what? Let's just love these people. Because maybe the way, the way they are is because no one's shown them love and they had, had a love in the first place. Hurting people hurt people. Just talk. It just scratches the surface, I know, this morning. Just tell people that God loves them. Maybe the greatest thing that they need in that moment is when you've listened to them and you're praying for them, just maybe the, the greatest thing that they need is, you know what? God loves you. He's not angry with you. His grace is for you. He's, he's, he wants you to break through. But you know what? More than, that, more than that, but I love you and I care about you. And I just come today to just sort of like tell you that, you know, let's catch a coffee. Let's hang out together. Let's laugh together if it's not, if it's right. Let's cry together if we need to. Let's just be real. Let's be real. Every person is unique and everyone's needs are different. Being committed to fellowship takes time, effort and a willingness to take some risks. When was the last time we took a risk and invited someone new that was new to our church to our home and start to get to know them and fellowship with them? Jane and I have made a decision that this year we are going to get ourselves ready on a Sunday that if there are visitors that have uh, come to our church, uh, we want to invite them home. I mean, we're not ready today because we're just still getting back from holidays and stuff, but you know, that's a goal that we've set ourselves. Maybe you can't do that each week, and we can't do that each week, but maybe one Sunday in a month we could. Imagine what, how we could grow our church if we decided as a fellowship that I'm going to dedicate one Sunday every month or one Sunday every two months and said, you know what? I'm going to make a decision that we're going to, as a family, as a person, I'm going to invite someone out for lunch. Maybe you can't do it at home, but maybe you could do it at a, at a coffee shop or a cafe. It could be just a, a, a toasted cheese and tomato sandwich. I love toasted cheese and tomato sandwiches, especially with a bit of HP on the top as well. But could we grow our church by doing that, by being real and just doing that? Is that something that, you, that you, maybe you as a, as a family could sit down and discuss and talk about? It doesn't matter if we've been friends for years or if we've only just met. This morning, I'm challenging us all as a church. Let's go and take it to the next level in fellowship. Let's stand. I'm done.